So I just finished reading a comic. It was a limited series from 1987. And despite the fact that it was a limited series, it ended on a cliffhanger. I mean, that's kind of weird, right? Welcome to an episode. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, that was fun. Let me try that again. Hello, and welcome to an all new episode of my other podcast, the podcast where I hit record and just start talking, which is why this intro came out the way it's come out. My name is Steven. I'm your host. How's it going, folks? It's been a while. If you're paying attention, if you're if you're looking at the uh, the artwork of the uh, the podcast there on your your podcast player, you'll notice that I've updated it. And uh, I don't know why I mention it. Mentioning, mentioning, mentioning it. Mention. That's a weird word. I've said it so many times now. Mention that it sounds very strange on my tongue. Anyway, 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 anyhow, any so, any there, any up, any down. I want to talk about this uh, book from 1987 from Marvel Comics. It's called Comet Man. It was a six-issue limited series. And uh, yeah, like I said, it ended on a cliffhanger. And they ended up concluding the story a couple of years later in Marvel Comics Presents, which was an anthology book that featured Wolverine. Every issue had a Wolverine story and then three other stories. And from issues 50 through 53, those four issues each featured uh, one part of a four issue story that was Comet Man that that kind of that was supposed to wrap up this story. And it kind of did and it kind of didn't. But issue number one actually came out in 86. So this this book went from 86 to 87. Issue number one hit the stands on October 28, 1986. It was written by Bill Mummy. And the book was actually created by Bill Mummy, who, if you're not aware, is the kid from the old Lost in Space TV show from way, way back in the day. Um, he helped create this character with uh, Miguel Ferrer and Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones is the artist on this book. The inker is Gary Talak. The inker is Jerry Talak. The letterer was Bill Oakley and the colorist was Dana. D-A-I-N-A. Usually I'd say Diana, but the I comes second. So Dana Graziunis. I probably slaughtered that name. I'm usually pretty good about trying to look up names on YouTube. A lot of times these folks uh, are interviewed uh, on YouTube channels and they say their name and you learn how to pronounce them, but no idea on that one. Um, All six issues of this series uh, featured cover art by the great Bill Sienkiewicz. And frankly, that was the reason I started picking up this book in the first place. I grabbed the first issue off the shelf because the cover art was just so beautiful. Um, there were a lot of books that I picked up off the shelf because Bill Sienkiewicz did the art, did the did the cover. And then, of course, you open it up and it's not Bill Sienkiewicz. And for a moment, you're a bit disappointed. But Kelly Jones is the artist on this one. And and he does a, a he or she. I actually I don't know. Uh, they do a very, very admirable job on the art on this one. It's very classic Marvel style to a certain extent. Uh, but let me try to explain what happened in this, in this, in this, this series, because 
it was very quite dark. So you got this dude by the name of Dr. Stephen Beckley. He is the, uh, uh, he's a, a scientist of some sort, and he has gone into space to study Halley's Comet. Uh, this is the year that Halley's Comet is making an appearance, and he, uh, uh, Dr. Stephen Beckley, uh, with the help of his, his wife, uh, built this spacecraft that would allow him to get close to Halley's Comet and collect all kinds of information and, and, you know, beam this information back to Earth. And hopefully we can learn a bunch about Halley's Comet that we never knew before. The problem is, is that when he gets close, he's sucked into the tail, his ship explodes, and he is disintegrated and dies. Now, normally that would end a story when your main character dies. But in this case, we learn that uh, the comet is not actually a comet. What we are seeing in the sky, the tail, as it were, is actually the fiery exhaust coming out of the back of a giant spacecraft. The spacecraft is piloted by an alien by the name of Max from the planet Fortescue. I think that was the name of the planet. They're Fortescueans. And he's on some kind of ceremonial journey. Someone from the planet Fortescue every, good Lord, now I don't remember how often Halley's Comet appears in the skies at every seven years, something like that. But again, it's not a comet. It's a spaceship. And it's part of a, a ceremony that the Fortescueans do every seven years or how however often it is we see it. So it's some, some sort of ceremony. And Max is able to collect all of the, uh, the atoms and particles of Beckley after he was disintegrated and puts him back together. But in doing so, the only way he can do it is to also merge uh, Fortescuean DNA and, and all that, which then gives basically Beckley these superpowers, which the people of Fortescue have. And his powers are are varied. He's got super strength. He's super durable. He can teleport. He can generate a force field. He has uh, he can shoot blasters out of his hands and um, he can fly and he heals fast. He can also uh, use uh, a bit of psychic power to kind of read minds and control lesser beings like animals and see through their eyes and stuff like that. Well, when he comes to on this ship, Max basically tells him, hey, uh, sorry about that, dude. Uh, you died and I had to bring you back. Uh, but because of that, you now have all these powers. You're a different person. And I would suggest you come back to my planet with me so you can learn how to use these powers because you're going to have a pretty difficult time uh, if you don't. And Beckley's like, nah, I got to get back to Earth. My, I, I have a wife and a kid and they're probably going to wonder what happened to me. And that one decision ends up ruining many lives, basically. Uh, so he goes back to Earth. We learn that this whole project was under the control of a government 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 agency. We learn that this whole project was under the control of a government agency known as the Bridge. The guy who runs the Bridge is known only as the Superior, and the dude that oversees the project, a David Hilbert, used to date. Beckley's wife. And I honestly cannot remember her name for some reason. And looking at the Wikipedia entry, they uh, give the name of everybody in this book except for his wife. That that seems kind of weird, don't you think? They, they let you know that his son is named Benny. 
but they only referred to his wife as Beckley's wife. And that, frankly, makes me a little angry at this uh, Wikipedia entry. So I'm going to look up the name of his wife, and I'm fairly certain it's Anne. Yes, Anne Beckley. So David Hilbert, uh, who's in control of this project, he is still in love with Anne. They used to date. And he ends up kidnapping Anne and Benny um, for nefarious reasons. We learn that the superior wants to use Benny, since Benny has the same DNA makeup as his dad, to try and and uh, recreate what happened to Beckley and give uh, Benny these superpowers. Because when Beckley comes back, uh, he he does run into Hilbert and he explains to Hilbert what's going on. And they end up doing a bunch of experiments on him. And even though Hilbert knows that Beckley is alive, he lies to, to, to Anne and Benny and tells them that, uh, that, that Stephen is dead. And then just all kinds of bad things happen throughout this series. Um, Beckley escapes from the, the, the clutches of the bridge and kills people in doing so. Uh, he never really fully learns how to control his powers throughout these six issues. His wife and child who are being held captive by the bridge, they escape, but she dies during the escape. Uh, the son, Benny, is then experimented on to, again, try to recreate what happened to, to Stephen Beckley based on the story that Beckley told Hilbert. Uh, so Benny is basically tortured uh, near death many times throughout this issue. The the doctor who is conducting these experiments at one point um, tells the superior that, that he's done. He's not doing this anymore because the they're obviously going to end up killing the child and they're going to learn nothing except for whatever they learn from the autopsy. And the superior uh, has dirt on this doctor. And so he blackmails the doctor into continuing. We learn that the superior is actually Stephen Beckley's brother, a brother he's never known about because Beckley's parents um, met when his father was in the military and he got his mother pregnant and then was shipped off and never knew that his mother was pregnant. And his mother had this baby, Jack, I think his name was, and gave him away for adoption. And uh, he had a really horrible life, but somehow still managed to uh, become a high ranking member in the American intelligence community and is now dead set on destroying Beckley and his family and uh, trying to gain superpowers at the same time. And that's that's pretty much the gist of the book. Um, but one of the things that the superior also tries to do is is kidnap Max. And so he sends a, a bunch of astronauts up to the to the ship and they're able to board the ship and they they try to kidnap Max. And if they can't, if Max won't go along with them, they're they're to kill him. Um, Beckley learns about this because Hilbert, after Anne dies, he realizes that what he's doing is wrong. And so he tells Beckley uh, uh, what's going on and that the the uh, the superior is is going to either kidnap or kill Max. And so Beckley is able to teleport onto Max's ship. Max, however, kills the entire uh, assault force. With very little effort, he uh, the Fortescuans are a very peaceful people. They uh, they don't really know what violence is, and it's it's only because Max encounters Beckley, and after Beckley leaves, that Max starts kind of tuning into Earth transmissions, starts listening to music, watching movies, watching TV shows, and he's introduced 
to this idea of violence and it makes him go a bit crazy. And so he kills uh, the, the, this assault group that, that comes to, to kill him. And he, again, he does it without much effort at all. And we learn that the assault team also planted a, a nuke on the ship in case, you know, as, as a last ditch effort so that uh, the superior is able to trigger the nuke. Max seems to understand that this nuke is about to explode. And so he tells Steven that it's not over, tells him to take his hand, and then the ship explodes. And that's kind of how the book ends. We learn that um, because before Beckley goes to the ship to help Max, he infiltrates the bridge. He learns through uh, a friendship that he had in the past. He kind of hooks back up with an old friend, Reed Richards, who then uh, using his contacts with Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D., they learn that the superior is Beckley's brother and he's sat again, you know, he, he, he's he's trying to de- destroy the family, basically, as revenge against his father for giving him up when he was a child, even though his father never knew. Actually, no, that's not true. He uh, Beckley tracked down his father when he was maybe a teenager or in his 20s and his father rejects him. So that's when he decides to destroy the entire family. Um Beckley, when he's assaulting the bridge, comes across his son who had died. Beckley's able to bring his son back to life, but his son goes crazy. And uh, he ends up as basically a a catatonic vegetable child. Um, So after Beckley basically destroys the organization, the bridge, he goes to the ship and he and Max clasp hands as the ship blows up. We see Benny, his son, or at least we we learn that his son has been given to his sister to take care of him. And it's kind of like the camera is panning in on Benny, who, again, is just a catatonic vegetable child. As we hear Beckley's sister and her husband talking, and it's kind of up in the air on whether or not they're actually going to keep looking after this child. So the way the issue ends, we don't know if Beckley and Max survived the explosion and we don't know what's going to happen to Benny. It's just a weird way to end this series. And it makes me wonder because we do get a kind of a, a, an ending to the storyline in these four issues of Marvel Comics Presents, which considering that each issue has four stories and there are four stories that take up the, the tale of Comet Man makes me feel like maybe there was at least supposed to be one more issue you know, a lot of the limited series that were released in the 80s had a big banner at the top of, of each issue that said, you know, number four in a six issue limited series. It told you right off the bat that it was a limited series. And we don't none of that. It didn't tell you that on the cover of Comet Man. So I haven't been able to find out any information, but I I, I have to wonder if the way the issue ended is, is that it wasn't meant to end that way and that it was just canceled. And so the only way they could finish the story was through this, uh, these four issues of Marvel comics presents, but it was a very dark book. I don't remember it being that dark when I read it back in the, in the late eighties, but then a lot of the books in the late eighties for, for Marvel were becoming fairly dark. You had books just a year or two previous, such as the dark Knight returns and Watchmen, And a lot of books were leaning in that direction. And this book was definitely one of them. In fact, when I finished reading it this time around, the one thing I thought of was, 
it felt very much, despite the fact that you had an alien in it and there were superpowers and, and, and all that, it felt very, very much like a, like, like it was a real story. And by that, I mean, if you've ever read any of the new universe books from Marvel, which came out in 86, the whole purpose of new universe, the new universe, I think the tagline was like the world outside your window. They were trying to create a new Marvel universe with superheroes that were more realistic, that that weren't um, these fanciful tales of gods and aliens and all that junk. It was supposed to resemble the world outside your window. And Comet Man felt like it should have been a new universe book. And I, I again, I just wonder if it was meant to be and didn't become one. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. There's not a lot of information I can find out about why it ended the way it did. Uh, the story behind the creation, you know, I just, I feel like my, my gut says that this, it should have been a new universe book and it should have gone on longer than six issues. Uh, but neither of those things happened. And, uh, because of that, it was a very, not only was it, it, it un, not only was it an uncomfortable read, it was not a, a, a satisfactory read. I felt very unsatisfied. I felt very, empty. I felt very incomplete when I finished these six issues. I remember really enjoying it back in the 80s. And I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it this time around. It just made me feel weird. I mean, the way his wife, Anne, the way she dies, she, okay, so she, her and Benny are in custody. They're in basically a safe house on some kind of um, compound of, uh, of some sort. And she's got this one guy who's guarding her, just your basic government lackey. And so she comes on to him and she starts unbuttoning her shirt. And she's like, I'm, I miss the touch of a man, basically. And he's like, ooh, baby. And he starts kissing on her. Neck, ooh, you feel so good and stuff like that. And then she she kicks him in the crotch or something and and knocks him down and knocks him out. And then her and Benny run off and they don't get far from the house. And they they encounter more guards and they're being chased and they're running towards a perimeter fence. and. We learn that the fence is electrified, and I feel like somebody even shouts a warning out to her before she gets to the fence, but she's the first one to the fence, and as soon as she grabs a hold of it, she's basically fried. And there's a moment later in the book when Beckley is with Reed Richards in Fantastic Four headquarters, and Reed's trying to help him with his powers, understand his powers and how to control them. And he, he adds this piece of technology, some kind of thing that he wears uh, on his head that will help him focus his teleports. And he tells him to, to focus on the idea of Anne and that he should teleport to her side. And so he does. And he is teleported literally into the coffin where his, his wife has, is, you know, six feet underground, this burnt up corpse of his wife. It's very dark, very, creepy and dark. And, and, uh, I mean, I keep using that word dark over and over and over again, but that's because I don't have a thesaurus in front of me. Uh, but yeah, it, it again, it left me feeling very unsettled. The, the, the whole experience of, of reading these six issues, just unsettled, uncomfortable, incomplete, empty, cold, and, uh, more than a bit creeped out. And yet at the same time, I somewhat enjoyed it. I mean, just looking at the Sienkiewicz covers, first of all, uh, that'll make you happy because those six issues, those the covers of those six issues are pretty amazing. And 
my favorite is the very last one because it just has Beckley in his Comet Man outfit, which is less of a costume and more of like a, a jumpsuit that who the the people of Fortescue wear when they're flying in their ceremonial ship that we have mistaken for a comet. Uh, but he's in space and it's like he's flying toward the camera and he's giving the peace sign. And it's it's a it's a wonderful cover. Um, but yeah, I don't there there's really not much more I want to say about it. Unfortunately, it's not available digitally. Uh, I own it. It's in my collection. I had to go, you know, hunt it up and all that stuff and and pull it out of bags and boards and everything. But yeah, so so it's not like I can say go to Comixology and give it a read and see for yourself. I mean, you could probably find it in back issue bins. And as long as they're not being sold for more than a dollar to two dollars each, they're almost worth having just for those Senkevich covers alone. Uh, the the character does show up in some issues of Marvel Comics. According to Wikipedia, beyond the six issues of Comet Man and the four issues of Marvel Comics Presents, the character also appears in Fantastic Four issues 315 to 317 in 1988, and apparently returned in issue number four of Captain Marvel in the year 2000. I have not read any of those issues, but I, I may go seek them out. Anyway, I felt I really had to talk about this because this was a, I, I've been feeling uh, really nostalgic recently. I've been going uh, through this whole uh, reading the comics of my youth kick and hunting, you know, going up and hunting through and finding stuff that, uh, I don't feel as well known nowadays. Comet Man is not a book that you hear a lot of people talking about today. You know, when when you hear folks discussing the great comics of the, the 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s, Comet Man is not one of those books you hear a lot of people talking about. But I think for what Comet Man was trying to do, I think it's a pretty good book. Um, but I think what it was trying to do was tell a story that lacked any hope whatsoever it was really kind of depressing in a lot of cases but that's that's it that's all i want to talk about um and so as i usually do with episodes of my other podcast i don't have any kind of wrap-up talk that i do i don't refer you to any emails or websites or anything like that instead i just stop talking and the episode's over goodbye baby.